don't forget to remind him that we're recapping a lot of this <coughs> because of all the new members. Mm -hmm. Hello, I want to welcome everybody to the CCW Safe podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Rob High. Um, and we have so many new members. Um, our growth has been pretty exceptional, and we're so thankful for all you guys. But I think not everybody that's, that's new understands how we got our start and where we came from. And we are very fortunate today to have our founders with us today. I've got Mike Darter here. Um, he's our CEO and Stan Campbell over here, our COO. Um, That's right. Celebrating the 100th episode. 100th episode of our podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we are so honored that you guys are joining in and uh, I'd like to start this off with just having Mike give us a little bit and telling us uh, about the start of CCW Safe and how, how you came up and developed this, this model. So, yeah. So I'm Mike Garter. Uh, it's good to be back on. We haven't been on in a while. It's been a while. Stan and I used to do these podcasts. Um, <clears throat> so CCW Safe started in 2011, 12 is when I left uh, ATF. I was working in ATF uh, Dallas as a contractor over one of the violent crimes programs. And uh, uh, earlier in my career as a police officer, I was sued in federal court um, on a shooting uh, and was sued civilly, uh, went to about a year and a half of a civil trial and won that case. It got kicked out at summary judgment, but, uh, you know, it took a year and a half to get there. So, uh, and at the time I was a fraternal order police member. They paid for everything. I didn't have to, you know, pay for any, um, attorneys or expert witnesses that we had to bring in on the case. Um, so everything was taken care of. And while it was uh, stressful for my partner and I at the time, Mike Kelly, uh, it really wasn't a, a huge concern because it wasn't, you know, we, we, have to, we just had to be wherever we needed to be when they told us to be there. So, um, and we knew, you know, we had a good feeling of the case. It was a good case. It wasn't a, wasn't anything that we were worried about, but Later, when I left law enforcement, not having that, you know, protection was concerning, uh, especially after, you know, being through it once. So uh, Kyle Sweet, who is the other partner, who is our general counsel, uh, called and talked to Kyle and said, hey, man, I need some kind of coverage. Um, you know, I had three daughters, 20 years in law enforcement. I was going to carry. I'd already been involved in a shooting suit in federal court. So uh, Kyle said, you know, hey, let's, you know, I probably need something too. Kyle's former law enforcement. So uh, he called back days later and said, man, there's nothing out there that's available that is going to give you the same protection. There were insurance policies available, but nothing was going to give me the same protection that I had as a as an officer. So he said, we need to do this. So, you know, we did it and it took about uh, six months to a year to put the infrastructure together and get all that done. But uh that was really the, the formation of this was out of a need for ourselves to have something that was, you know, similar to what we had as, as police officers. And just to piggyback what Mike is uh, talking about, you know, one of the things that we find important about this model 
most people don't know, police officers, when they're involved in a shooting, um, they're treated like a victim of a violent encounter. Citizens are treated like suspects. So one of the things that CCW SAFE has done was we've taken that same response um, and, and also the resources that officers get and we transferred it over to citizens and also off-duty officers and such. So now you too are able to have that, that, that sense of comfort knowing that uh, you have a team behind you like we did when we were in law enforcement. That's, that's a great point, Stan. Um, and it's one of those things that instead of having to reinvent the wheel, mm -hmm. that wheel was already there. Correct. And all we had to do was kind of bring that together and make it where it's an option that, that a citizen could take advantage of as well. Um, you know, it, it's, it's been such a privilege to be part of this team. Um, I'd like to ask you what, in, you, in your opinion, what is, what is the biggest, uh, most valuable asset to our members? Well, um, very good question. You know, in reference to assets to our membership group and, and those that, that we take care of, when I look at what we've done over the past 10 years, I find that a, a lot of our strengths have to do with the, our benefit package. But um, in reference to forming the, the company, our critical response team is probably the most significant thing that we have that sets us apart from our competitors. And the reason why that's so important, because boots on the ground, I mean, you just can't beat that. Yeah. Um, we have that when we were police officers, homicide detectives come out, administrators come out, uh, all the people that you would need to take care of you on, on the crime scene and when you're involved in the shooting is there for you, peer support. You know, we've created and put that stuff together for our membership group. Right. And, you know, all of our competitors, although sometimes in, in name only, they, they say they have a critical response team. I mean, it's nothing compared to what we have. Yeah. We have former homicide detectives and other investigators that go to the scene and actually do boots on the ground. There's nothing like boots on the ground. And we've had several uh, instances over the past several years where we responded to deadly force incidents uh, and were there for our members. Uh, we've had some where the investigator assisted the local investigators in locating, you know, cameras, witnesses, all those things that are important to do in the first 48 hours of a, of a case. And we were able to, like in the uh, Stephen Mattis case, for instance, mm -hmm. um, although that took about two years mm -hmm. to finish up, the prosecutor and that investigative team didn't start looking for witnesses until about a year and a half in. Yeah. We had it all wrapped up in one week. It's very important. Yeah. We had another case in, um, in Las, Las Vegas, Vegas, Vegas in which we had a member that had all three of the major competitors at the time, us and two others that were, you know, on, on the top in the industry. All three of us he had, he made three phone calls to each uh, uh, agency and we were the only ones that went out there and had boots on the ground. Yeah. And that's very important. And we recently had uh, an incident in which uh, Gary Eastridge went out on. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, boots on the ground, just can't beat it. It's important to have somebody there for you because mm -hmm. in this particular case, it's an affirmative defense saying, I shot that guy right there. It's still a homicide. Right. So you mm -hmm. have to bring evidence to support your actions to show that this is a homicide that um, 
that is justifiable. Yeah. And that's what our team is for. We do that for you so you don't have to have any worries. That's a great point. And I yeah. think that's the, the biggest thing when I reached out to Kyle, when he said, you know, there's, there's nothing available like that that is going to provide that protection. I don't think at the time, any, there, there were uh, very few companies at the time, but they were all insurance companies. I don't think mm -hmm. there was any of them that really had a good understanding of how investigations work, Correct. actually being involved in investigations. You know, uh, when we started, um, you, uh, Kyle and myself all had law enforcement experience. You know, uh, Gary Eastridge came on very early. He had a, a you know, pretty immense law enforcement history. He's actually the homicide detective who interviewed yep. me on my shooting, <laughs> yeah. you know, that started this whole thing years ago. And um, so, yeah, having that knowledge uh, and then being able to apply that to a response team, mm -hmm. you know, somebody going out that actually has worked cases, you know, hundreds, not just one case, they've worked hundreds of cases of shooting cases like this. And then, you know, Don West came on pretty early. Mm -hmm. So uh, that was, uh, especially early on, I think was, was huge for us in the industry. Absolutely. And then, you know, just um, to, to piggyback, um, you know, other benefits and assets for our membership group, you know, um, we're one of the few, I think we're really the only one that actually covers uh, appeals. You know, something mm -hmm. happens in one of your cases and it just goes wrong, but, you know, you still have us there for you. You know, appeals starts the, the process over again, and then you have to, you know, pay for a second trial. Most folks don't have that. They have recruitment policies where you have to pay them back first Mm -hmm. what they put out on the first trial before they pay for a second trial. Well, we don't do that. You know, we just start all over with benefits and we just push right into the next challenge. Right. You know, so that's important. Expungements, cleaning up your record, you know, having it so that, you know, all of your legal is taken care of. So your criminal and civil and administrative, um, there's no, no caps on that. Right. So that's <clears throat> very special for us to do that. You know, the, the, and, and, and what people don't understand too, uh, there's a lot of um, misinformation out there with these groups in which they say they're going to cover certain things. But if please know that it's not all about lawyers because yeah. your investigators, your expert witnesses, they make and break the case. And we pay for that separate from the attorney's fees and the other things that, that go along with it. It's really important. I mean, you can have hundreds of thousands in expert witnesses and, 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 um, and investigators. Yeah. 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 I think in one case we had, I think the investigators just weeks in was $40,000, mm -hmm. $40,000. So yeah, those add up. Yeah. The cost of a, a criminal defense is unbelievably steep. Um, and you know, we've discussed the, the critical response team and, and the boots on the ground thing. The other thing about that, you know, Phil and I have talked several times on our podcast that uh, it, it's really a big deal to, to vet your instructors and go out and find guys that, that are really the real deal because there's a lot of uh, self-promoting people out there that, that build themselves up to be something that they're really not. And you can go through some of their classes and, and you know, if, if nothing else, the thing you learned what to do is what not to do. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so one of the one of the things that I always put out there is as you're vetting an instructor, find out what that instructor's training history is. Are they still training? Are they still going and seeking additional training and, and continuing to hone their skill to be better for you? Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the things that Mike and Stan have allowed us to do, um, the guys on the on the critical response team, is we still get to continue that education. Um, you know, last year we had uh, a course with uh, Texas DPS, the Texas Rangers, on investigating officer-involved shootings. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the response that we give our members is really, really similar to that officer-involved shooting. You mm-hmm. touched on that a little bit earlier. Um, we're, we're handling you as a victim, not as a suspect in this case. Um, so being able to stay current and up to date and get the best, uh, most modern investigative techniques and those kind of things are really, really a big deal. Um, another benefit that we have, you know, Mike mentioned our uh, general trial counsel, Kyle Sweet, another one of our founders. Um, Kyle's law firm uh, is part of the National FOP Defense, mm-hmm. and so any officers that are involved in a in an on in in the line of duty incident, mm-hmm. if, if that is a, uh, a really severe use of force or a shooting or something like that, um, <clears throat> as his team responds uh, and brings those officers in to prepare them, uh, our critical response team also comes in with their debrief and help prep uh, these guys for their formal statements when they go to homicide. Uh, and so the bonus with that is we get to stay current and up to date. Um, we're always current with, with, the, with the law and how things are going in the courts. Um, and the fact that, you know, Gary's been involved in a shooting, you know, you've been involved in a shooting. We've worked, I don't know how many hundreds and hundreds of shootings um, you know, I've had family members involved in a shooting, so we actually really have a full grasp of how all that factors in um, in responding to our members. Because I understand what it's like, not just to be involved in some of these really horrible, significant incidents, mm-hmm. um, but I've been the family member on the other side of that, and and understanding that it doesn't just affect the person with the gun in their hand. Absolutely. It affects everybody involved. Yeah. You know, that includes all your extended family. So those are really, really big deals for us. That too is like the importance of, um, you know, we don't just throw money at the case. Right. We're there with you the whole way. You know, we still like to this day, you know, have a relationship with Stephen Maddox and his shooting was in 2015 and his, we covered him in 2017 uh, for his trial. And um, people don't understand the importance of having someone there for you. If you start running to some, some, some dark times and you know, have someone there that you, know, that you can call upon, and um, you know, that's one of the things we do as well. You know, if you need psychological assistance, we mm-hmm. have people um, that take care of that. Yep. You know, um, peer support, which is really <clears throat> big. You know, because that's what we had when we on this police department we had mm-hmm. peer support. So we built that for our, our members as well. 
And then speaking of um, what you and Gary do for Sweet Law and the, the active duty shootings, the inner line of duty shootings, uh, kind of talk for one second about some of the lessons that you learned or even like what, what you learned from the officers, like what they don't know yeah. in reference to preparing for their official statement. Oh, yeah. Um, and trauma memory and such. You know, there, there's so many things about being involved in an incident like that. Um, when, especially if there's multiple people, um, and even if it was just the three of us and Stan was involved in a shooting, um, what I see is going to be different than what Stan recalls. And, and Mike's mm -hmm. going to see it from a little bit different perspective than what I saw. So we don't have to have exact matching stories. Mm -hmm. um, that's understandable because you have different perspectives. Um, the other thing is, is, yes, you've been involved in this thing. Um, and the, the bonus with police officers is most police officers in the country now get uh, a couple of sleep cycles before mm -hmm. they have to go in and make a statement. Correct. Um, that's part of the whole treating somebody like a victim versus treating them as a suspect. Correct. Um, and to have these guys come in and have a recollection of the things that went on, but maybe the the sequence of events is a little jumbled and out of order. It's not. It's not like a video that that you can just replay in your mind. It's mm -hmm. it's kind of distorted and and out of place. Um, and it's a really big deal to understand that that's a really normal response. Mm, that's that's right. just how how your brain responds to such a traumatic incident. Um, it's a survival thing for us. It's it's kind of deep in our, you know, in our primitive brain that that takes care of us that way. Yes, sir. Um, so that's a really big deal to understand those things. Um, you know, some of the other parts about that is is just uh, your your recollection is doesn't have to be exact. And if mm -hmm. you don't know, don't know. Don't try to make something up to, mm -hmm. to fit the pieces or anything like that. And to be able to reassure guys like that. Um, you know, I was talking about how you respond to an incident like that. Um, we've touched on it on some of our other podcasts. Uh, you know, if you rolled up on a scene on a police shooting and you found a guy sitting down on the ground, you know, back against his car or something, just, just crying because it was such a big deal to him that just emotionally, he just, mm -hmm. he just has, has to let loose. Um, that's a normal response. Mm -hmm. um, it's the same as if you had a, a different guy involved in that same incident and he goes over in the corner and he throws up. Mm -hmm. That's a normal reaction. That's Correct. a normal response. The same thing if you rolled up on that same incident and you see the guy and he's all excited and he's high-fiving his partner. He's not excited that he killed somebody. He's really excited that he just survived mm -hmm. the most sure. horrific yeah. incident in his life. That's a normal response. Right. What your response is, is okay. Absolutely. And we don't, we don't hide that. We don't, we don't try to, to cover that up or mm. anything else. We can explain why these things happen. Mm -hmm. You know, I was talking about the, the continuing education and the things that we keep getting you to do. Um, you know, we hosted for Science Institute last mm. year and, and we provided that training not only for ourselves, but mm. for a whole bunch of 
local law enforcement guys. We brought them here instead of having to spend tons of money for those guys to travel and go outside and, and do something on their own. Um, and you know that's just one of the, the most invaluable uh, training programs as far as uses of force Absolutely. that's available in the country. So. And, and I'm gonna circle back on that, but um, being that you, you still talk about critical incidents mm. and taking someone's life, being that you know we have someone right here that's, that's done that. Mike, about how long did it take for you like to really get a <clears throat> grasp of the details that occurred and fill in the blanks yeah. of the story even after you got interviewed? Because <clears throat> it takes a while to yeah, get it all does. the answers. I know it was at least a day or two mm. because I know that like when I got home that night, uh, I think the shooting happened around uh, one o'clock or midday. And by the time uh, we got to homicide and went through our interview and everything, and at that time they did an interview that uh, immediately, that day, yeah. but you were allowed to come back a week later mm -hmm. or a few days later and make any changes that he needed to. And I, yeah, I remember that night, you know, just thinking, just sitting there kind of thinking like, what, like what happened? Like trying to recall stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, Rob touched on one thing, like how, how you react. Like you can, you can think you're going to react uh, one way or think, okay, I'm gonna do this. I'm not, for example, one thing is, you know, a lot of people say, you know, don't say anything to the police when they arrive or don't mm -hmm. talk to them or whatever. <clears throat> and our uh, philosophy is kind of along the lines. It's, it's give them general information, mm -hmm. tell them you'd lo love to help them with the investigation, but you're not in a mindset to do that. Unless you've had a lot of training, mm -hmm. I'm talking like at least, you know, a week, a month or consistent training over years, are you going to be able to do that? Yeah. Because when something hits like that, you, it's human nature to want to justify your actions and it's human nature to want to actually like you fill in the blanks mm -hmm. with what you think you did and what you thought you might have done, but you don't know. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really hard to do that. And like he said, you know, whatever you do uh, can be justified because it is a traumatic incident that you're going through, you have critical stress, your mind, you don't remember things. and. I think it took a few days before I really grasped onto it. Mm -hmm. And it was a very like numbing, in, in our case, there were two uh, suspects killed. And if you've ever lost somebody close to you, a, a, a parent, a, a sibling, you know, something, you kind of get a numb feeling. Yeah. It was that same way, you know, you kind of have this numb, this numbness to you for uh, uh, days to a week that kind of takes time to wear off. and. Uh, trying to recall all that is the same, mm -hmm. you know, and I think I went in about a week later and reread the report. I don't think there were any major changes, but you know, there's even, even years later, mm -hmm. Mike Kelly and I have talked about it. Uh, uh, he was my partner in that shooting. We were the two that actually shot. And, you know, we remember things different, like years later, like, you know, 10 years later, we talk about it. We talked about it and I was like, wait a minute, I don't remember that. I remember <laughs> yeah. it. So there's things that you, you know, place into uh, whether it's subconsciously or, you know, somebody said something that you overheard at the time that you bring into it or something like that. So it's, it's, uh, it's very, uh, and it takes a lot of training to be able to pick up on that. Correct. And that's the thing with like the Maddox case, you know, there's a lot of 
departments out there that don't have resources to train their officers a lot of it, if it's a smaller department mm -hmm. or, and I'm not saying that all small, some small departments are like on it. Yeah. It just, jurisdiction and jurisdiction and departments, agencies are different in the way they train. And, uh, you know, it takes a lot to have, you know, officers who are very well trained that can pick up on that. Yeah, and, and Mike hit on a lot of uh, great points, you know, um, one specifically is just general information. If you're gonna be, have an official interview or be interrogated, that's what that will be. Um, you know, please only do so in, in front of your attorney and let them know you're gonna cooperate, but you know, you'll give a detailed explanation in front of your attorney. That way, you know, we have the time to get in there, we can set up that interview for you and make sure that you're ready for it. You know, second to that, you know, uh, just like Mike said, years later, you're not gonna remember what happened. You know, if you take someone's life, it's just an unnatural thing. Uh, to take a human life. If you do, it stays with you forever. Mm -hmm. you know, that memory of it, it's going to be with you. Um, you're going to have to deal with it. Your family's going to deal with it, like Rob talked about. And, um, you know, um, circling back to what Rob was discussing with Force Science Institute, we, we, we brought folks in to teach the local law enforcement trainers about uh, with, uh, through their de-escalation program. And Mike and I have hit this on, you know, <clears throat> yeah. a whole bunch of uh, podcasts talking about avoidance and de-escalation and the importance of that, because you need to know that just because you have a firearm, it does not mean that you should engage in everything. Sometimes it's best to be a really good witness versus an involved person, yeah. you know, unless you're truly being ambushed or, or someone's trying to hurt you or your family, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but other than that, you know, uh, you know, think like a policeman, but don't try to be one. So that means that prepare yourself for a violent encounter, but don't try to look for one. Right. You know, yeah. the, your, your last resort should be pulling the trigger. Um, but to get back onto what we do for you, uh, CCW Safe is really good about, you know, uh, preparing you for the second fight. You know, the mm -hmm. first fight was that you saved your life for that of someone else. But the second fight is, you know, uh, what happens during the aftermath. Uh, but what we try to do with our content, and we do a really good job of getting ahead of that, letting you learn from other people's mistakes. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is across the nation, shooting incidents, concealed carriers, um, you know, with Don West and Sean Vincent, um, you know, Mike, myself, Rob, uh, Gary, um, and some of the others, and Don West, you know, getting that information in front of you so that you guys can learn from others and try not to be in the situations that they're in, correct? Yeah, that's mm -hmm. a big deal. And there's one thing I want to touch on too. One thing that kind of got brought up earlier, but there's a lot of little things that that people don't, uh, know or wouldn't be aware of when you're dealing with somebody like who has been involved in this, like diet plans, exercise plans, like dealing with uh, uh, companies who are going to fire you because you've been arrested mm -hmm. uh, or you have charges that may be coming on you for murder or other charges. And we've dealt with all that. And mm -hmm. there's a lot of little things that go on behind the scenes to try to, like you said, keep somebody prepared well for that second fight um, that because of all the experience we have and, and the people we work with have, you know, they know about that. So Look, there's, that's a great point, Mike. Um, let's pick back up on that when mm -hmm. we come back. Um, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to bring you a message from our uh, national trial council, Don West, and we will start right back up where we left off. Thanks. Hi, I'm Don West, National Trial Counsel for CCW Safe and a board certified criminal trial lawyer. 
The financial cost of defending a self-defense case involving serious injury or death may surprise you. I know this firsthand from personal experience. Attorney's fees alone can be several hundred thousand dollars, but that's not all. You need money, and plenty of it, for private investigators, expert witnesses, and of course, to pay the bail bond company so you can get out of jail. All this could easily add up to four or $500,000 or more, especially if it's a high-profile case. Without the money you need to put on your best defense, you're at a terrible disadvantage to an aggressive prosecutor, and consequently, you have a greater risk of being wrongfully convicted. That's why CCW Safe doesn't put limits on attorney's fees or trial expenses like most other plans do. So, when comparing companies, take a minute, read the fine print, you can be confident that with CCW Safe, the money will be there when you need it. Welcome back. Uh, as we were talking earlier, you know, Mike was, was speaking on the things that you don't realize are gonna come into play. Um, and it's keeping somebody kind of grounded as they move forward, uh, going through the legal processes and the, the unexpected things that can come in and kind of trip you up. Um, you mentioned losing your job. That mm -hmm. happened in, in Stephen's case, in right. Maddox's case. Um, what, are, what are some of the other things that, that you see going along with those things? Because, you know, we, we've discussed how, you know, it affects everybody in your circle. You know, yeah. Not just your family, but your <clears throat> friends. And, yeah. you know, it can cost a marriage or, or I mean, there's, there's so many stresses and things like that built in. Oh yeah, another thing, you know, in cases we've seen are uh, ankle bracelets. You can only go to yeah. work and home. Yeah. Can you imagine for two years only been able to go to work and home? In one case, we had to get uh, we had to get approval from a judge to be able to go to a funeral. Yeah. And it was it was like I don't know two or three hours away. If you get outside a limit with the ankle bracelet it vibrates on your ankle every 30 minutes or whatever, or maybe even more than that. Every time that thing vibrates, it's a reminder that, hey, you may be, you know, this is what you're facing, this is what yeah. you're going through. And there's a lot of things, you know, um, jobs. Uh, if you lose your job, in one case, they were gonna uh, fire a member and give him three weeks pay. Mm -hmm. We ended up getting him a year severance package on that thing. Mm -hmm. uh, they just didn't, you know, they. It's like, hey, you can't do this. You know, there is a process that that we, you go through a court process. Um, so there's a lot of things: diet, exercise, um, keeping their mind right. You know, and that's a lot where uh, around that time is when we implemented the core values mm -hmm. because um, the core values that we have, we have five core values, and each one of them, you know, deal with. Uh, you know, experience deals with the experience that we have, experience in leadership, commitment, dedication, caring, each one of them, um, and especially in the Maddox case, he actually came back and wanted to do videos on each core value and where he saw it because he saw it over that two-year process, Correct. he saw it through different actions that we did. And, you know, there was no, uh, there's no, and I, I don't know still to this day, the other companies in the industry if they have core values listed on their website but you know we believe in those that uh, that was something that we all as law enforcement yeah. you know uh, we had to have in our in our in our recruit classes you know we had yeah. to pick a basically a core they didn't call it a core value but we had to pick a core value that 
defined who we were. Yeah. And um, so that was very important to Stan and I, and at the time, uh, Stan and I and Kyle, to get that implemented to kind of let people know what we stand for. I mean, if you're going to pay us uh, annual or monthly fee to do this, you need to know what we believe in and, you know, how and how far we're going to go, you know, to fight for your for your freedom or for your rights. So, So, um, it really was important, like Mike said, for us to establish core values. And um, we stand behind it. Our our models, you know, based upon it and and also the benefits are aligned with our core values. You know, some of the things we're talking about, you have have no idea how important it is to have an experienced team. Mm -hmm. There's, There's companies out there that may have some lawyers or they may have you know, folks that have a really good magazine, you know, but when it comes down to, or some that train you well for paper shooting, you know, but if someone has not walked in your shoes, it's kind of hard to relate to, to that person. You know, we've done that. We've been there and we understand your needs. And that's why our, our benefits packets are, are aligned with what you need as a person involved in this violent encounter and the most traumatic incident you ever will be involved in your life. So, between that and, and caring, you know, people know already. You can tell when you look at our website, when you look at some of our content, this, you know, when, when you see us on video, like even now, you know, you can tell when somebody just throwing some lines or they actually care. Yeah. We actually care about our members. Um, I mean, we're there for you. It's important for you to have someone that can build a dream team for you so that you don't have to worry about it. And that's what we do. So all of the things that, that we do, you know, aligned with our core values, um, we're really happy to to be here for our members and to continue that dedication for you, you know, and, and, until the end. And, you know, one one thing I just want to say right quick, when talking about it and putting together all these, um, you know, experts for you and attorneys, that also has to be fluid. And a lot of a lot of people get locked into, well, I want to know who my attorney is. Well, you're you know, if we said, OK, well, this is your attorney in your area. And your shooting happens when he's in Aruba on vacation with his family, or it happens when he already just committed to a, you know, catastrophic case and you're going to be second and you're not going to get him, but you're going to get the junior lawyer. You, all this have to, has to be fluid. And that's why we're so, uh, you know, thankful to have Don West to yeah. be able to go out at any time. And we have, uh, you know, attorneys across the country that we've worked with up to this point. But they may not be available. Mm-hmm. Um, so to be able to have somebody like Don West and be fluid in everything that we do, you know, uh, and be able to pull in experts from across the country mm-hmm. if we need somebody in an area. Absolutely. So, and then back on Don West real quick, you know, for those who are brand new to CCW Safe, you know, Don West was co-counsel for the George Zimmerman trial. Um, and, you know, he vets all of our attorneys that we hire, the local attorneys that we hire for you. Uh, the importance of that, you know, because a lot of uh, companies, they will throw you a long list of Second Amendment, you know, um, advocates yep. that are attorneys. But that does not mean that they've had, they put in the time or have had have the trial experience associated with defending you. And that's what yep. Don West make, make sure it happens. Also, the way that a lot of the uh, attorney firms are set up, you know, you may not get the top guy, you'll get the junior attorneys mm-hmm you know, working on your case. And that's not, we make sure that doesn't, that doesn't happen with our members. We make sure you get the top guy. And that's why we have Don West, you know, sign into agreement with them. 
you know, to manage and um, to be your advocate for your defense as well, to make sure that everyone's doing their job like they're supposed to, they have the resources they're supposed to get, and everything's done in a timely manner. There is no downtime on your case. And Kyle Sweet, too. You know, our general counsel, Kyle Sweet is one of the, he's one of the very few attorneys who actually tries catastrophic cases and he's done them over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. You know, so having him there, too, is, is amazing. Well, it, it's one of those that, that, that you talk about that and it's, it's also very important as far as your legal defense to understand Yes, I know this guy, and he's a fantastic, highly successful uh, defense attorney. There's so much difference between a guy that does a regular criminal defense mm -hmm. and somebody that understands uses of force and does what we refer to, you touched on it earlier, an affirmative defense that we're not trying to say, no, we didn't do this. Correct. We're not mm -hmm. running away from it. It's, I was... I was backed into a corner. I didn't have any other options available to me at that time. And in order to survive or in order for this guy to not kill my buddy or something like that, I had to step in and, and intervene. That's the way that gets shut down. Um, I was really lucky. I'm the oldest guy in the room, um, <laughs> but both of these guys had a hand in training me when I was a new officer. Mm. Um, so I've, I've known these guys for decades. I, I, I treat, I count them as family. Um, one, of the, one of the other things that we have is all of us were defensive tactics instructors. We all were a part of teaching officers how to properly apply force. That's correct. Um, you know, it was never about punishing. It was never about anything more than just controlling. Mm. Um, and, you know, I've, I've mentioned before the, the numbers of times that as far as by letter of the law, I could have justifiably uh, discharged my weapon at another human mm -hmm. and the abilities from the training I received all through my career, um, I had other options. I had other tools available to me. Um, and one of the things that, that, that you guys did early on before I came in uh, was, you know, all, all law enforcement across the country have to uh, deploy force within uh, a model, within a, a use of force continuum. Correct. I can only go so far depending on uh, the violator's actions. That's correct. Um, and, and we've always kind of been very strict on judging ourselves, but that was something you guys did was was develop kind of a use of force continuum for citizens as right. well. So you want to touch on that a little bit, Mike? Yeah, and like you, you just had mentioned before, you know, I was backed into this place where I had no other option. And that's a lot of people, and you hear this all the time, when people go through a concealed carry course, they're like, okay, I got my deal done. Now, when am I legal to shoot someone? Yep. Mm -hmm. Or when, when, and that question is all. And what the real question should be is, at what point have you have I exhausted every means yeah. to where I have no other option but to mm -hmm. shoot this person? So, you know, the, and that's what Stan and I got together because we, we didn't really, there were, 
kind of a mention of uh, use of force for citizens, but there really wasn't anything out there. And so we, um, you know, like Rob said, because we had been involved with uh, training, self-defense, custody and control, most of our careers, um, we developed one. And for citizens, it's, it's exactly that. It's, you know, you have to exhaust every available mean to de-escalate and get yourself out of that situation before you take action. Um, because that's how the investigation is going to go. And we built this kind of based on reaction, but also investigation, you know, and how this thing is going to be looked at. Because they're, they're going to look at, if you get involved in a shooting, they're going to look at that moment where the shooting happened and they're going to start working forward and backwards mm -hmm. incrementally. Mm -hmm. And um, we really kind of did it a lot different than what, um, in fact, we had to really explain to it when we talked about it, but we did it based off off of um, location number one. Mm -hmm. um, you Typically, we are, you know, creatures of habit. We work, we have a, uh, our daily uh, interactions are habitual. They're going to work, to lunch. If you go to work, you usually drive, you know, one way. Some people will switch it up like you should and kind of take different routes. Usually have about three places that you eat. You know, um, so you have to know your area. And if you are familiar with your area, you know, you can get on most uh, websites, police websites today and look at crime reports and see where it is in the area. If you're visiting somewhere, and then we did this actually when mm -hmm. I was coming out to see you in LA one time, yeah. because I stayed downtown and I got on and looked and I was like, okay, where can I go from here? Because I wasn't familiar with the area I was staying in. And you could immediately see just like south and west, there were tons of reports over the last yeah. you know three months for robberies and all that. But to the um, you know the other direction, it, it was there wasn't a whole lot going on. So it was immediately okay, that's where I'm going to go. So uh, we kind of made it uh, on a uh, the situational awareness actually came second. That's correct. Based on a model of. You know, our model was like put on this table and the table was the knowledge of knowing your surroundings, right. you know, where to go. Um, and then it went from, you know, situational awareness up. But, but each level, like uh, it's in law enforcement, it's often a pyramid mm -hmm. uh, or a triangle. And you have your lower level and it goes up to where you, you, you run out of options, basically. Mm -hmm. And... Every level that we created, which we'll put a link to on the show, um, you know, ha had a uh, attempt to de-escalate and exit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, get away from that. So, yeah, and, and the importance of that, what, what Mike's talking about as well. Number one, if the closest Seven Eleven, real world, is a half a block away, but all of the robberies occur there, and the one is two two blocks away or a mile away, that's the one you go to. You know, don't go to what's close because you may be setting yourself up for uh, interaction with uh, a, a deadly situation because you know there's so many robberies there. Second to that, Mike's talking about, you know, the avenue of escape or the avoidance at each level that, that we've created this, you know, because you do have a window, you know, when, you know, your life is being threatened or great bodily injury by someone that is an attacker. But if anything changes in that, they throw the weapon down, if they de-escalate, they move back, if they don't have the opportunity, you know, to do so any, any longer to go along with their threat, 
you therefore have to, even if you had the window at that moment before they drop the knife, you know, once that happens, you can't use force. You know, then you disengage, get behind cover, and then call the police. You know, a lot of times too that went along with our our mm -hmm. continuum. Don't forget, just like officers, call for backup. Call for backup. Call the police. Don't be the one that just moves forward if you don't have to. Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, you want to you know be tactical, but at the same time be smart because you know the greatest weapon that you have during a, a violent encounter is here. Yeah. It's your 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 mind and making those you know, those right decisions so that you can survive the incident. Um, we also talk about as part of this on the side, you know, things change when you have your family with you. Mm -hmm. You know, you may not engage fully if there is, you know, you're gonna leave your family behind and they'd be vulnerable. You have to get them to safety. You have to find yourself a place, you know, just like even Mike said, like setting up when you're in restaurants, sitting so that you can see the doorway. When you're pulling up to the gas stations, don't pull right in front of the door, you know, pull away so you can see the counter and see what's going on. Make sure that the, uh, the clerk's not doesn't have their hands up. Yeah. You know, be aware. Um, you run into people that kind of hang out at these places, so you have to watch out for those folks. You know, your aggressive panhandlers and stuff like that. Watch what people are doing. See if they're looking at you when you pull up. You know, uh, the phone can be your greatest asset or your worst enemy. Yeah. If you're sitting up here and your face is down in your phone, you start to lose all those things. So make sure that you're aware, you know, if you're on the phone, tell somebody, hey, I'm pulling up to, you know, the convenience store, let me call you right back. That way you're aware of what's going on without any distractions. Yeah, that was a, that was a great point. And you're, you're talking about that window, mm -hmm. you know, uh, our, our critical response manager, uh, Gary, always, always discusses that, that window. And, and your window may be open and shut, or it just may be open. I mean, mm -hmm. you, you never ever know. Um, I've always liked one of the things that you've always talked about, and it's how would you deal with this situation if you didn't have a gun? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a big deal. Is, yeah. is, is before I start thinking about pulling my gun, what would I do if I didn't have it? Mm -hmm. And if you have that option, yeah. that's your option. That's, that's your correct answer. That's the way out. Um, that's, a, that's a big deal. Uh, Carrying a firearm is such a tremendous responsibility. I know I've touched on it multiple times, and I, and I always talk about if you're going to carry, you you need to put in check and and basically eliminate your emotional response. Mm -hmm. You can't be emotional on that anymore. You have to you have to understand the weight of that responsibility, and it's huge. Um, you know, one of the things that that some of our competitors will really press is, you know, if you have to defend yourself, if this happens, if that happens, you're going to get sued and you're, this is going to happen. And, and we're going to give you all of this, uh, civil liability. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's really important, um, to understand that the criminal liability needs to be your very first thought. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, because if I don't, if I don't, come through cleanly on the criminal end, mm -hmm. the civil end doesn't matter. I'm going to be right. incarcerated. Mm -hmm. So I, that's, that's one of the other things I've always been so proud about to talk to our members or, or prospective guys. You know, we were down in, in Houston for the, the big NRA annual meeting this year, mm -hmm. and we, we got to meet thousands of people down there. And to be able to, to explain to them 
the fact that it, it doesn't matter. It, that there's, not a, there's not a limit on our defense. When Correct. it comes time to defending our members, it, whatever it takes to get there is what we're doing. Yeah, um, and, and, you know, and I think Gary wrote an article on this about budgeting your defense. Yes. You don't <clears throat> want to do that. You know, some of these organizations are set up so that that's what you have to do because mm -hmm. if you get you know, arrested for murder, you may find yourself with a $500,000 bond, which, you know, 50,000 of that will have to come out of your defense funds. And, you know, our, all of our stuff is separated. And then you have the attorney. If an attorney across the nation, you can check your own, um, just Google it if you want to. An attorney on a murder case, the retainer, just to start the case, is $100,000. Yeah. And it, it may take, like the Maddox takes, you know, a little bit over $200,000 we'll end up spending on that, you know, and that's just for the attorney. And then you start breaking it down. And like I said, I know you guys you know, saw Don West break down, you know, um, what it is to, to de deal with this defense and how much it costs, the cost of the, you know, your defense. But people don't understand how important it is not to have to make a decision. Do I go with a more expensive investigator or do I hold off and get this expert witness? which both of them can save, help the attorney save your case because the attorney does not do it alone, I'm telling you. Yeah. So it's important to you know, really know, you know what you're getting into and make sure you have the right team behind you. Yeah, that's a big deal. And you may get to the end and it realize, oh, I don't have enough for this, Correct. this uh, expert that I really need, so let's go with this guy. Yeah. 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 That's it, a big that's a big scary. Deal. Yeah, and because when we, when we talk about unlimited criminal defense funds, um, that's talking about that investigator. That's mm -hmm. talking about that those experts. It's talking about all-inclusive, mm -hmm. in, including your attorney, including uh, a jury consultant or, or whatever else it is that we need to put in place to give us the, the best opportunity to defend you uh, after you've already had this horrible incident happen in your life and now we got to survive this next one. So that, that's just a really big deal. I, I love the fact that I can go in and I can tell these guys, you're going to get decades of experience coming, mm -hmm. coming to walk you through this thing. And then if, it, if it's something that winds up having to go before a jury and, and goes into a courtroom, um, we're going with you as, as far as it takes to go. So that's, that's, right. that's a huge thing. And before we... Uh because I know we're getting close on rounding this out, but you know, I want to talk about some of the lessons that we learned from you know, being here in the industry for 10 years and you know, working you know, um, hundreds of cases over the past several years. Um, the thing about what we do that's different from most others is that we protect you from you, and that's the reason why we give you the information. You know, sometimes you know, those with a gun, you know, they have that false sense of, you know, macho, and you know, you have to pull that away. That's when Rob was talking about, think about what you would do if you didn't have a firearm, would you move forward? You know, um, the biggest problem that we run into with our members, um, and really nationally it's a problem, road mm -hmm. rage incidents and brandishing incidents. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, you guys have to understand that if you show your weapon, you have to think about it like, could I pull the trigger at this time? If you're not in a situation where you couldn't put, pull the trigger, don't point your firearm at them. Don't pull your weapon unless you know you do. You you do get this feeling of someone has a weapon, and yes, do that. But uh, if you, these unarmed folks that you're showing your firearm to and you're driving down the road, you know, picking it up and 
and just saying, hey, I have one, you know, stop flipping me off. You're going to get yourself in trouble or get yourself in, you know, end up in jail. A lot of these uh, states are not playing around with you guys. Yeah. And it, it costs, you know, about $10,000 or more for an attorney just to fight that. Mm-hmm. And, and it's more of a battle than a homicide. You know, so, um, you know, it's pretty interesting that, you know, we really have to we can get so many of these that, you know, it's time for you guys to kind of just take a breath. When someone is involved in a verbal confrontation with you or a vehicle confrontation with you, remember that you have the gun. So the person with the gun should de-escalate. Yeah. So always think about that because you don't want to step beyond um, what the law protects you to do. Yeah. And if you do, you have to own that. You have to notify law enforcement. A lot of people will not notify law enforcement. And that's where a big problem comes in because they're like, oh, well, the guy took off. It's over. It's not over because they're going to go call the police. That's right. That happens every time. So if you do, you have to call. You have to call the police. Yeah, the first one to call nine one one across the nation is the victim. Is, yeah. So uh, you know you, you have to be mindful that you're the first one to call nine one one. You know in that case. Well, I want to thank you guys so much for making time and, and coming in and sitting with us. Absolutely, um, it's number one. Did you did you dream that we would be where we're at when you started? No. <laughs> we saw it as it started building, you know, we kind of built the plane in the air yeah. uh, initially. And uh, honestly, when we initially put this together, we really just wanted to cover Oklahoma and Texas. Yeah. And within, you know, a few months, we had half the country. Yeah, you had no and, choice uh, but to go yeah. countrywide. So it's been, a, it's been an honor to be able to, to put this together and work with the people that we have are amazing. We have the best people I know in the industry, um, we have made so many, uh, you know, friendships and we've got so many, uh, relationships across, across the country now with some of the top, uh, you know, experts in the field with departments, you know, we work a lot with NYPD, mm. uh, retired officers, and it's just been an awesome, uh, awesome journey. So. Yeah. And then, um, on, on my side, you know, I'm just happy that, you know, number one, we've, not just surround ourselves with great staff, but our ambassadors and like Mike said, the experts that we've become friends with. You know, we are really careful about who we align ourselves with because CCW Safe is important to us and it's important to you guys. And we want to be here for you, you know, uh, as long as we can, you know, mm-hmm. to, to, to be, you know, your, your support system if you're ever involved in a shooting incident or use of force in which, you know, you need us. So. I'm happy to be here. Uh, we're gonna keep it going, and um, this is a great group. Continue to watch our podcast. Continue to read our articles because you can learn a lot from them. Um, and you know, be safe out there. Yeah, knowledge is power. Thanks, guys, for for tuning in, and we look forward to seeing everybody again next week. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thank you. guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks.